It's Two Brain Radio. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf tactics to help you improve your fitness business and move you closer to wealth. And now, here's your host, the most interesting man in fitness, Chris Cooper. Keith Zimmer is the owner of CrossFit Happy Valley. But as you're going to hear, his journey through CrossFit and through fitness is an extreme one. Looking at Keith, you wouldn't say this is an extreme guy, but nobody has taken the pursuit of excellence this far. He's done every CrossFit cert and most other fitness certs multiple times. He's packed up everything he owns or even just set that aside and moved state to state in this pursuit. He has operated on a 12 by 12 concrete floor. He's slept on couches for over a year. He's gone broke. He's gone hungry, all to help his clients. When you listen to this podcast, you're going to recognize that there's a little bit of Keith Zimmer in all of us. But nobody has more hustle than this guy. Nobody has pursued excellence. Nobody has turned CrossFit into a religion like Keith has. He's on this podcast because I love the guy, but he's also a fantastic example of how the pursuit of excellence in business is not always the same as the pursuit of excellence in coaching. My name is Chris Cooper, and every week on this podcast, I try to tell better stories and ask better questions to try and help you grow as a business owner. I'm going to warn you, in some parts of this podcast interview, it sounds like Keith is giving me a testimonial. That's not on purpose. And I actually thought about asking our new producer, Will, to cut that stuff out because I don't want it to interfere with the lesson. But I left it in because it's important to know just how generous Keith is how empathetic this guy is, how much I love him and he loves his clients and he's willing to give everything to help everybody else before he helps himself. Like any cult, CrossFit has its martyrs, but you don't need to be one of them and neither does Keith. Keith Zimmer, welcome to Two Brain Radio. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, buddy. I'm doing great. You know, you are one of these guys that I'd love to get around a campfire and uh, two brain mentoring clients, they know, you know, that you're such a fantastic storyteller, but other people might not, man. So why don't we start with how you found CrossFit in the first place? I think a long time ago, six, almost seven years ago, I was just a typical, you know, story of a bodybuilder type in the gym that benched every other day and just the uh, aesthetics. I just went in for aesthetics and uh, a girl... You know, they were giving away a free week at a local gym in Bend, Oregon. The girl kind of talked me into it. I didn't want to do it because at the time I didn't run. I didn't do any cardio. You know, I avoided it like the plague. So anyway, couple took her a couple of months. She drug me in there. From the first meeting, I told my coach, like, I don't want to stay. I just kind of want to, you know, it's, it's getting to be popular, so I want to see what you guys are doing. But then I'm going to go back to the regular gym and kind of do my own thing. It was something that I was looking for my whole life. I just never really knew it from the fast pace, almost like I didn't. And I probably didn't know what I was doing at first, but it was so welcoming for that coach. Colin was so welcoming that 20 minutes later, I I was that dude's biggest fan. I want to sign up. And he was kind of giggling. He said, well, I thought you weren't going to sign up. And I'm like, I'm ready. He's like, well, you want to finish the free week? I'm like, no, I'm ready. But it's like, I want to sign up. If I don't sign up, I want to sign up now. 
you know, half hour into my pledge of never doing CrossFit, I was a lifelong member from right then. I started right then, and it's been a whirlwind ever since. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna we're gonna walk through that whirlwind together, man. So you started doing CrossFit. You know, what brought you to coaching? Um, again, that first coach I had, Colin, he he was like a to me he's like the Wolverine, but really nice. Um he just you know, he was strong, he was funny, he had a good personality, he was confident, he was he was helping people, he would tell funny stories. But he got the job done at the same time. It was like he was he was the strongest dude in the room, um, somebody I admired. But at the same time, he was like really, really cool to hang out with and told great stories and just an all-around great guy. So that's what made me at least start dreaming about, hey, I think I can do that. I remember actually doing my level one Two months after I started CrossFit, I was so, like, this is it. I'm doing it for sure. This is what I want to be. I'm never going to be an electrician again. I'm never going to clean carpets again. I owned a couple of businesses. And I remember doing my level one without asking him. I just, I went and did it. I studied. I stayed up till 3 a.m. I watched the video. I read the book. I read the manual. I did everything on my own. I went and passed. I, I remember taking it into the gym. Saying, all right, dude, if you need a day off, I'm ready. I can coach now. I'm good. Whatever you need. And he looked at me and he's like, you've been doing CrossFit for two months. I'm like, I know. That's how amazing I am. <laughs> and he's like, well, stick around and, you know, maybe in a couple of years you can coach. I'm like, no. Okay, well, I'll be here, but I can coach. So that's how you got start, started in the desire to coach. Uh, but obviously, he didn't have a spot for you right away, right? So what happened next? I had MySpace, um, and I friended this. I didn't know who she was. We were just friends on Facebook. Um, we started flirting kind of back and forth, or we were just talking. And the games were coming up, and I was going to drive my car down to the games and sleep in the back seat. I just wanted to see this thing live, right? I had no idea what was going on, but I... I'd watch YouTube videos and seen him, and I was, so I was going for sure. Um, and I remember asking her, hey, have you ever been to the CrossFit Games? Are you going this year? She's like, yeah, I'm going. For sure, I'm going to go. I said, well, if you if you want to meet, I'll buy you a water, or we can hang out, or whatever. Um, and she, so she, we were uh, MySpace messaging back and forth, and she said, well, do you know who I who I am? I said, well, yeah, your name is Lauren, and uh, she gave me your last name that was on her uh, MySpace. I'm like, yeah, that's who you are. She's like, yeah, I'm I'm the owner of CrossFit. And it, my real last name is Glassman. My name is Lauren Glassman. And I remember, like, thinking in my head, like, come on, really? You gonna Are you going to try to lie to me and say you're the Lauren Glassman? So anyway... I tried to call her on her bluff. She's like, I'm not bluffing. If you want, you know, come down to Arizona. I'll show you my new gym. She she just started working on a gym in Prescott, Arizona, Captain CrossFit. Um, and then I went down there that weekend. I think it was a Wednesday when she told me that. Um, 
Friday afternoon, I was on an airplane. She picked me up at the airport, and it was the Lauren Glassman. Um, we went to Captain CrossFit. It was right at the birth of the biggest gym, you know, in the world back then. Rogue was there. The people that owned Rogue were there installing the equipment. Um, every, all these famous CrossFitters were there. Greg came to pick up the kids. It was like, to me, it was like CrossFit heaven. Like, like I don't have any idea where I'm at. I'm just in a dream right now. And I'm hanging out with Lauren Glassman. She's probably the coolest chick I've ever met. So I had no idea what I was, but I, where I was or what I was doing. It was just the luckiest dude in the world. So um, I still owned the carpet cleaning business. So I flew back to Bend. Maybe every other weekend, I would. she would fly me down to Arizona. We would hang out after a couple of months. She's like, why don't you just bag the carpet cleaning idea because it's kind of gross um, and just be a coach. Move down here and coach. And I'm like, well, you know, I have a, I have a baby son. I'm divorced, but I have a baby, and I don't really want to – I don't want to be without him. And So in a roundabout way, he – was still a, a child. I needed to make money. I had found this passion for CrossFit, and I could fly home, you know, to see him once a month. So I was still, my visiting to my son wasn't going to be interfered by going to Arizona. So I put everything in storage. I grabbed a backpack with a couple pairs of shorts. It was pre-Reebok, so I probably had some kind of funky shoe on and a couple of T-shirts. And took off to Arizona, I'd never coached before. I just knew that that was like, that is what I was going to do for sure. Moved in with Lauren, and she, nobody at the gym, nobody at Captain CrossFit really wanted to do the foundation program. So all these new people, we were the, the only gym in Prescott. So it was, it was like the wild, wild west, right? We were the only, we were the only gig in town. So there was, hundred people coming in all the time. I've done foundation classes with 42 people in one class trying to teach 42 people how to squat. And I'm just learning how to coach. And I'm kind of looking at Lauren for help. And her and the other staff members are kind of giggling at me. And I'm like, help me. Uh, <laughs> not asking, but not begging outright for help, but just in the middle of it, man. And that's how I started. And I've heard... I've heard my coach before Colin say, like, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I had a passion that I wanted to show everybody else, and that's all that kept ringing in my head. Like, I was at Disneyland every single day. I got to go to the biggest gym for my job. I was hanging out with the coolest girlfriend I've ever had. I mean, you can talk to Lauren and Lauren Glassman about CrossFit and nutrition and everything nerdy about CrossFit for months and still we're still friends and I'm still not to the bottom of it but it's it's just never ending and that lasted a couple of years so I was down there I was down there for a while um and then I my son started getting older started playing soccer and we were going to move back up here together um and in the move high stress. She was still going through the, you know, trying to sell her portion of CrossFit back to Greg. 
So that was going on. And she's like, well, I get, you know, I got bad news. I can't move with you. I know you got your heart set on Portland, but, you know, I can't move until everything's final. And so I was, I was upset. And I'm like, well, I don't want to stay. I don't, I don't want to be away anymore. I want to go to Portland. I'm ready to go. Um, I started looking for little warehouses and she was, you know, she had helped me look in the area and I'm in that area now, you know, six years later, I'm, I'm where me and Lauren decided to be six years ago. Um, and I remember back then telling her, no, that's a dumpy part of town. We don't want to be there. We want to be here, which is, you know, we're, I wanted to be two miles away from where we're at right now, but she was correct, right? She's like, no, you need to be in this industrial area. You can rent these warehouses. I love your enthusiasm, but you don't really have any idea of what's going on. Just listen to me. We should rent a warehouse in this area. Um, I remember telling her, no, 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 we're not doing that. Anyway, that's where I'm at today. So she said, well, I can't move to Portland. So I got all hot and bothered and she had rented an apartment up here for me so that I could hang out with Logan and when she would come up with the kids, they all we all had a place to stay. So she's like, Well, you know, you can stay in the apartment. I hate to see you go, but you know, we were kinda arguing, we kinda knew that we were leaving each other or we were kinda breaking up or we were about to try a long distance relationship and the, just the stress of that we kinda broke up. And I remember when we broke up, I was heartbroken. It was like losing my best friend. Like, we were best buddies. We talked about working out all day. He was like the best girlfriend in the world. We literally talked about, we, in Arizona, we worked out in the garage together. We worked out at Captain CrossFit together. We, like, she, I mean, that's how I started CrossFit was, you know, I had Colin as my coach, but my initial contact in CrossFit was, Lauren Glassman, like the, to me, like the top of the top, and I was buddies with the person that started the word CrossFit, that knew everything about how CrossFit started and the ins and outs. So it was a huge change for me, right? And when I lived down there, she let me, because she was still influential in, in the company CrossFit, I got to do all the certs. I've done... I've done every cert once or twice. That's all I ever wanted to be was headquarters staff, and I wanted to teach the level one. And it was just this magic picture that I had <clears throat> kind of fallen into. Um, so the the move, and when we decided that we weren't going to be able to be in a constant day-to-day -day relationship, that I was going to be in Portland and she was going to be in Arizona, it just caused a huge amount of stress. Um, so we decided to call it off, we, you know. We got in arguments and arguments and arguments, and after a while, she was just a really smart lady. She's like, I, I can't deal with this. I, I got too much going on with CrossFit and, you know, Greg, and I can't deal with you being an immature little brat all the time. So I think it's better that we just part ways for now, and if, you know, if we get back together later on, we maybe we can work it out later. So, man, we broke up. Um so I remember sitting in the apartment in Portland, and I'm thinking, well, that's awesome, right? I I don't have any money. 
I hadn't saved anything from Arizona. I hadn't saved anything from selling my carpet clean equipment. I haven't saved anything from being an electrician. Now I am this self-proclaimed best coach in the whole world, but I don't have a gym. <laughs> I don't have any clients. Um, all I really have is passion and desire, and I figured this is what I wanted to do forever. So I was talking to one of my buddies on Facebook, a pro, or he wasn't a pro, but an MMA fighter, about, hey, man, do you know anywhere that might be training or hiring a strength and conditioning coach? And he's like, yeah, it's weird that you ask, because the place I work out, they just fired theirs yesterday. Why don't you call this guy? So I called, and now the dude's my best friend, right, Jason Pittman. He owns a gym here in town. I called Jason. We talked for like 10 minutes. He's like, oh, you seem like you know, you know what's going on, so why don't you come on down to the gym? Let's just sit down and, you know, talk about logistics and how it's going to look. So, I was, you know, I drove down there. We probably talked for a couple of hours. He's like, well, yeah, you seem like you know what's going on, so when do you want to start? So, we, you know, we looked at the little area. I literally had, he gave me a corner of his gym for free. Um, it was 200 square feet. It was as big as my office, like 12 feet by 12 feet. Wow. It was my first, first gym. We didn't have any mats. I was on the concrete. I bought two gallons of paint so I could paint it. It was gray. So it looked like I had some kind of floor and it wasn't just concrete. It was painted concrete. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that was it. We had, I had zero equipment. We were doing Navy SEAL workouts from day one, push-ups, sit-ups, air squats, burpees. I literally had to turn in to Colin, that Peter Pan coach, or I wouldn't survive. I was, I used to brag to my friends, like, I'm the first CrossFit gym that's open 24 hours a day. If somebody calls or comes in here, I'm going to coach them for the best hour that they're going to get. And I know everybody says that, right? But that was how my brain worked. My first price, what everybody got was $40, unlimited, come whenever you want. I thought I was starving, 100%. Lauren had, you know, said you got a month left to stay in the apartment, but I need all my stuff. And then, you know, obviously I don't want to pay for an apartment for you to just be up there. We're not even dating anymore. So you got to figure it out. I'm like, well, what am I going to figure out? I don't have any money. So I remember telling Jason, the guy that owns the MMA school, I got to go back to Utah to be an electrician. My family's there. and I can sleep on my friend's couch. And he's like, you're going to go back to Utah? You're, you're here for your son. What are you going to do in Utah? I'm like, well, I'm going to sleep on my friend's couch and go back to be an electrician, get a job. But no, dude. You already got me involved in your dream. You're not going anywhere. I'll put a couch in my office at the MMA gym, and you can sleep there. How about that? I'm like, well, all right, I'll do it. So I started selling memberships for $40 so I could afford ramen noodles and a can of chili, and I grew from there. That's the first gym was literally 208 square feet of space in the corner of my buddy's MMA gym by the front door 
by the garage door where all of his traffic walked through and all of us started working out. Um, my first clients were his clients. They were MMA people or the wives of MMA people, um, fighters. And I would infect person by person by person with just that spark of CrossFit. I still have some of those original members. Like six years later, they're, I still they're they're here still. Um, I just raised their rates from forty forty dollars to one hundred twenty nine dollars, <laughs> but <laughs> and that was six years later. I'm like, thank you for saving so much money for all these years, but we have to raise the rate. Um, but back then, it was just I just needed money to eat. I had and, and all I ate was ramen noodles and cans of chili, literally. So I think in eight months. One of the members kind of believed in my dream. She's like, well, you know, you're getting too big. If I had three people in class, two of them were outside doing tire flips or whatever. And we, you know, we had bought some equipment. I had bought a, a member had built a pull-up rig, and I bought some rings, and I bought two bars and some weights and kettlebells. And somebody donated some mats that were like interlocking mats that had no business being in a CrossFit gym. They were soft to walk in, and you couldn't squat on them. It was amazing. It was awesome. I still have pictures, and I still look at it, and I'm like, that's the most legit gym you've ever been in. And there's no doubt in my mind that's why those people are still here, because they were like Rocky Balboa. They weren't giving up. If I'm in a little gym like this, then we moved across the parking lot, to about 1,400 square feet, paradise, right, from 200 square feet to 14. It was huge. From there, we ran a couple of Groupons. We packed the house. year and a half later, maybe maybe two, year and a half later, we moved to a a location right around the corner to 11,000 square feet. Um, So that's where we're at now. So it took me about three years, I would say, of sleeping in the office, renting a tiny, crappy little apartment, not being able to afford the apartment because I was still charging $40 an hour, to back to the gym, to the friend's couch, another crappy little apartment, and just grew from there. I had people always trying to give me business ideas, and I'm super hard-headed. I never listened to somebody the first time ever, and I never have. It's not a quality that I'm bragging about. It's just (laughs) that's who I am. I've never listened the first time. Looking back, now I wonder how different my life would be if I actually listened the first time. So we moved to 11,000 square feet, and now we're busting at the seams again. I want to go bigger. But I think that you know, that's just that's where we're at. So um, in that whole process, I've obviously found a two-brain business coach. Um, I know I don't even listen to you the first time. I question everything you tell me. <laughs> and then, you know, six months later, I'm like, God, you were right. You were right. You were actually 100%. You were more right than you said you were. <laughs> it's working better than you said it would work. <laughs> so, I mean, I always try to, like, when I think about like who is the most influential person to me, who changed my life the most, who do I who do I owe the credit to, who do I 
who did this, right? Because I, I don't think it was me at all. I think it was a conglomerate of people and stories, and they were in the right place at the right time. I can't say exactly who, and there probably isn't one person that changed my life the most in the last, you know, just few years or beyond CrossFit or before CrossFit. I, I, I can't really explain that part of it. It's just from growing up till now, my life is completely different. My life, my friends are completely different. My habits are completely different. Everything I think about is completely different. Yeah, I mean, that's all I should say, really. I mean, it's just, okay. it is like night and day from where I started and, you know, not being able to pay attention to what was going on because I was so stressed about money. I had no idea what my next step was. I had no idea what I was going to do. And if, you know, if four or five members quit, I wouldn't be able to eat. So there was times when I felt like, I was begging people, like, bring your friends in. I'm, I'll give them a free week. I will change that person's life in a week. If you can get them in here in a week for seven, you give them in here, get them into my gym for five days, I'll change their life. And it, it started working. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. And that's where we're at today. Anyway, we're at like 11,000 square feet. We're still growing. We, last month, we ran uh, a challenge. We started with 31 people. We ended with 37. So somewhere in there, in that challenge, the people that were in the challenge invited seven of their friends in. So we finished higher than when we started. I have an amazing business coach that I don't listen to the first time. This is probably (laughs) the first public apology and the only apology you'll ever get. Because you know I love you, but... That's just, that's how, that's who I am. But, um, yeah, so we're doing great, I think. You're doing amazing, brother. So, uh, let's, let's rewind a little bit here. Other than you, I think Greg is the only other person I've heard give Lauren credit for really getting CrossFit going. Yeah. What's, what's something that you learned from Lauren that every affiliate owner should hear? That it's never ever, ever, ever about the affiliate owner. It's always about nurturing the client. I remember asking her one time, I asked her for money. I said, hey, I need some money for marketing. Can you help me? I'll pay you back, whatever it takes. You know, this is how much money I think it will take. Um, And I probably added in $100 so I could buy some more ramen noodles. But, (laughs) and she had been, she, she has been, I think Lauren is probably, and I said it, that I, I can't give credit to one person mm-hmm. to changing my life the most, because there's been a lot of people and in, in, through my childhood and up till now, but she changed a lot of things, but just that basic thing that it's not about you, it's about them. And so when I asked her for money for marketing, she's like, I, I think you're kind of missing the point is that so far in CrossFit, not a lot of people market with money. I think now it's changing, but I think back then she hit the nail on the head for me and it made me start thinking differently that if I can give them exactly 
what they want, and that's why I started a business. I really want to help people. But in that whole scenario, they also want to help you. Because if you're genuine and you really want to help people, they're just going to naturally help you. And they're, they're getting fit. They're bringing their friends in. Like they're your friends now. And that's what Lauren taught me was you don't need to market. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to, I don't think marketing is tricking people, but you don't need to trick people. You just need to be you, and they will come to you. And your clients will be unique to you. And the people that leave, that's great. They just don't fit your personality. You don't need to chase them down. You don't need to promise them the world. They just didn't fit your personality. So just give people what they want and stop thinking about yourself. Okay. Change my life, 100%. There's a lot of things. I mean, I can't say that Lauren, that there's one thing that Lauren did to change my life. There was, it's, dude, it's still today. She still calls. We still talk. We go to lunch. We went to the UFC fight. But Lauren is still, to this day, changing my life. And it's things that she's been telling me for years. And I have like, oh, aha, that's what you meant. And she looks at me like, You weren't paying attention. I've been teaching, trying to show you that for like five years. I'm like, well, yeah, I heard you, but I didn't really know if it would work or not. (laughs) But it does. So, again, that's just who I am. But uh, I think that looking back, that's probably it. Is this gym isn't really me anymore? It's it's just it's them. It's my clients. It's their families. It's their friends. It's they bring people in for visits and drop-ins. And it's weird. The CrossFit's weird. It's not like a gym. It's like a group of friends that meet in different hours throughout the day, and then tons of them come at the same hour on Saturday, and they all high-five each other. Yeah, it's like a place where the whole family meets all week long, just random. All right. It's like Thanksgiving in one building. All week long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Keith, I mean, that's that's a beautiful mindset, um, but but that's also caused you problems in the past, right? Like many other affiliate oh, yeah. owners. So, you know, in you were working at starvation levels in the beginning. You had to get those ramen noodles, and then you gradually improved your practice and improved your space. And for a lot of people, for years, their rate didn't go up. So eventually you got to this level where you're, you know, you're teaching, you're leading a hundred people to a better life every single day and you're still not, you know, taking home a massive paycheck or anything. You know, what was that scenario like for you a year ago? Um, Before you, well, even after, right? I mean, we've been talking for a while, but I just didn't believe it. I thought for sure they would leave if I raised the rates. I mean, I did the price increase so that everybody paid the exact same price, and I made it fair for everybody. And I truly believe that it is fair for everybody. But when I did it, there were still people here paying $40 a month just because they were grandfathered in, and they were here from day one, and I had probably told them, like, hey, your rates will never go up. I didn't, I couldn't see five years into the future of what, and it's not about, it's not 100% about what I'm going to need. Like, if I need to buy a rower, we can't pay $40 a month forever. Like, I'm going to help you, but with that, it has to be even. 
a year ago, like I was, you know, I'm, I was living in the office. I was still, I was in 11,000 square foot gym with more equipment than any other gym in the Northwest. I had medium about amount of members. Everybody was happy. I was the dude that took no paycheck, none. Like, and I had talked, there was clients that would bring me food or meal prep companies that I was trying to work with so I could eat. And I was still from time to time sleeping in my office or I would, you know, sell my car for money or buy it. And then I would save some money and then I would buy a car. I've missed my son's birthday because I couldn't afford to uh, buy any presents. So I was ashamed of myself. So I just didn't go to his birthday. Um, I, I was the lowest dude on the totem pole forever just because I figured that's what you do. I mean, I'm giving my, I want to be noble. So I'm going to give my life to my clients and try really, really hard never to let them know how much I'm sacrificing for them because that kind of defeats the purpose for me to sacrifice. If I'm out there being a martyr and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and I'm just, I wish I had some money or I wish I had food. I would just be like, yeah, I got to pay my coach. I don't need a paycheck or I need a, a repair on a piece of equipment. So that was part of my paycheck or somebody needed to borrow some money and I, have no idea how to say no. I'm like, yeah, sure, you need money? I didn't eat ramen. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, here you go. I'll figure it out. And I'm not saying that like a poor pity party. That's just where I was. Like, I, I, I don't say it for pats on the back. I just, that's where I was a year ago. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how, it, how I've made it for seven years at all. Like, thinking back to how I started, I have no idea. I think a lot of box owners might be caught in that that martyrdom now where they believe that, you know, poverty and sacrifice is noble. But where does that come from from for you, Keith? I think it goes way back to I can only speculate, but I would imagine that it goes back to my childhood. I grew up on I guess what people would say the wrong side of the tracks. My mom my mom was a drug dealer, so I grew up in um, unsafe conditioned and in a, in, a, in a world where people would say, oh, you're, I'm poor you, I'm sorry. And people don't know this story. I, I've mentioned it to you a couple of times, but not in depth. I don't ever talk about it because I don't want people to pat me on the back. Um, so I grew up, like I said, on the wrong side of the tracks, completely absorbed in that in that lifestyle, I I grew up a, a troubled teen that started when I was like six years old, and, you know, stealing candy from the grocery store and doing bad thing after bad thing, bad choice after bad choice, juvenile hall. They finally, you know, when I was young, they took me away from my parents, put me in a state school. You know, I grew into an angry child. I was making the best of my angry childhood life. I went to jail. I was in trouble. I was in games. I was in trouble. But this whole time, um, I think it all kind of stemmed back from like that 
that need to give to my mom. My mom was, you know, she was a young single mom, two two boys that didn't necessarily listen, and I for sure didn't listen. And back then, I wasn't nice about not listening. I would just not listen, and I was completely disobedient. Um, my mom ruled with an iron hand, so I got spanked a lot. My brother got acted out of line. I got spanked a lot. So I've always had a need, and I think it stems from my mother. I've always had a need to please other people. And whether that comes from needing to make my mom happy or the people around me happy, some kind of survival technique when you don't have a lot as a child, you don't know if you're going to eat or if your mom is going to feed you. A couple of days, I'll call my grandma. My grandma will feed me. I've always kind of been, you know, the lowest dude on the totem pole. So I'm cool with it, right? I've, I've done it since I was four or five or, or however old I was. But there was always that need to make other people happy for whatever reason it was. I, I would say that it was probably because my mom was a little bit rough around the edges, and I don't blame her at all. I love her. I mean, she's in heaven, and she's 100% the reason I'm here. She's why I am who I am today. I wouldn't be an amazing CrossFit coach without my mom. But I think that when you, you – I, I always thought I was displeasing my mom, that I could never make her happy. If I could make her happy, she would quit drinking or she would quit doing drugs. Or if I was better at whatever I was better at, she would pay attention to me and say, okay, everything's going to be normal. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to give you what you want. Um, or, you know, a, or a father that has never in 42 years told me he's proud of me ever. I, I'd show him my 11,000 square foot gym and I, he doesn't know what he's looking at that, you know, I have materialistic, the, a big, huge gym, and not everybody has 11,000 square feet, Dad, and not everybody has 10 rowers and 10 bikes and 10 skiers and 55 barbells. I'm like, I'm good, Dad. And my own father says, you should, you know, get a part-time job being a bartender so you can get some real friends. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> Whatever. Okay, I love you, but I have friends. Like, these guys don't just come here because I'm only charging $40 an hour, whatever. But, um, so before I start crying, that's probably why. So did it take you a while to realize that these people weren't just coming because you were charging the $40 a month? You know, like, what stopped you from raising rates all that time? I thought that always thought that <clears throat> I've seen other gyms and they have higher rates. And I thought, well, that's for a different class of people. I just want to appease everybody. Rich people can come here. People that can't afford CrossFit can come here. And I'd always joke with my friends, you know, if I was a zillionaire, I would give CrossFit away and I would open a gym and make it free. It defeats the whole, the whole idea now that I have today of actually what I'm doing. Like it, when I make a fair price for everybody, it gives them, my clients, a chance to show their appreciation, their love, their affection. 
but hey, I'm not actually coming here for $40 because when I raised rates, nobody left. We actually went up in membership. People started inviting their friends. Uh, it was insane. Um, there was four initial people that left, but they were quickly replaced. Not them as people were replaced, but their spot on the gym floor was replaced by other members inviting their friends in. I think that that's, that's probably it. I mean, I just don't, I don't, and, and sometimes, honestly, Chris, I don't know. 100%. Like, some of the stuff you tell me to do, sometimes I do it and I think, this, is, this shit's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to do it so that I can get on Two Brain Business Facebook page and say, that didn't work for me. Why didn't it work? But it's always work. It's, it's, sometimes I just, now, I trust you so much that, and it's really, really hard for me to say I even trust anybody ever. Sometimes I just do what you say, and I don't even really know what I'm doing anymore. Like, I raise rates because you told me to. I didn't believe in it. I was just like, okay, well, I do think I'm a great coach, so I do think I'm probably worth that. I don't know if people will pay that. Right? And they did. Yep. And so that bridge of trust was built a little more solid for me. And then you tell me other things, you know, privates and one-on-one on-ramps. I'm like, there's no way. They're not going to do that. They're absolutely not going to do that. And you're like, yes, they will. Just try it. And I did it. And it, everything you told me so far is working better than you told me it would work. <laughs> I, I literally can't explain it. I have no idea what's going on anymore. One of the things I told you in the email was to remind me about the, I had a dream about the tornado. Yes, so please. I had this dream and I couldn't make any sense about anything that was going on. I was on this cliff. I know dreams are weird, and I don't 100% believe in them, and they don't lead me anywhere at all, but it was just this weird feeling I got in my head that, like, I have no idea some of the stuff that you're leading me through. So it was like I was trapped inside of a tornado, and I was going around and around, and I couldn't make sense of anything. I couldn't see anything. I had no idea, really, like, should I raise rates? Should I start a nutrition program? Should I do this? Should I do that? What should I do next? There's got to be some kind of process. I wish I would have listened to Chris a little bit more when I had him on the phone. <laughs> what did he say? I made some notes on an envelope. Where the hell is that envelope? Um, and then just in some of those like movies or dreams when you just, you're falling, and then right before you hit the ground, you usually wake up. But in this dream, I didn't wake up. I was just like... I'm not really falling. There's nothing bad. Yeah, there is a whirlwind going on around me. I'm inside of a tornado. But I got it. Like, I can make sense of it. I can start seeing things, not 100% of everything all the time, but I can start making sense of, okay, I need to start a nutrition program because it helps my clients and it helps the business grow and business growing helps my clients. It's this, insane circle that never stops. It never, like the more I help them, the more programs I start,
Chris, my it goes right back around and benefits each and every one of my clients. It makes my experience better. I can hire and pay my coaches better, which my coaches and me make my clients' experience better. I can buy better equipment. I can give them a better fitness experience. Everybody is happier. And it works like magic. It's literally like I'm in the middle of that whirlwind, but now I'm not out of control. Like I can make sense out of most of my day. I know what's going on 80% of the day, whereas before it was, I had no idea, like maybe 5% of the day. I just knew I had to wake up. I had to put on my Reeboks, put on my socks, my shoes and shorts. Somewhere in the middle, I was definitely going to lift weights, and it, hopefully it was a, a PR on my snatch. Other than that, I didn't know what I was doing. Now, I don't exactly know where you're leading me, but I know that it's starting to make sense now. Okay, man. Well, you know, I love you for the testimonials, but I, this uh, podcast is definitely not about that. So let's let's talk a little bit about like projecting our, our backgrounds and our feelings onto our clients. So when you were just about to raise rates, like what's the what vision are you having in your brain of how these clients are going to react to it? They would just say no and walk out. I mean, why wouldn't they? What what's different? What are you What are you going to do? Like you've been charging me. 40 or $75 for a couple of years, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to raise your rates to, you know, it, it wasn't astronomical. It was just competitive with everybody else. So mm-hmm. why? I already have, I'm already in the biggest gym in the Northwest and you already have 55 barbells. You're not doing anything extra. So what, is, what are you going to do? Right? So I had to come up with ways to show them the value is going to increase. It already has started to increase, and it's it, it'll never stop increasing. I have to show them an increased value for the money they're spending here, whether it be the best coaching they've ever had in their whole life, and I can make their stress disappear for an hour to an hour and a half, and then they can go back around the regular part of the day or through social media. Now I interact with my clients for eight hours a day. You know, I'm always updating everything, so now I can interact all the time, and I get to see him for an hour every day or an hour Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was just deathly afraid that they would be like, well, I'm leaving, man. I don't know. What am I going to get? I'm not getting anything. You want me to go from 75 to 129? Crazy. Some of them went from 40 to 129, and I was just like, well, yeah, what we're going to do. You're going to love it, though. Yeah. I promise. So, Keith, I mean, you you and I were around five years ago. And let's say that, that we got on the internet back then and we said, profit is important. If you run a CrossFit gym, you deserve to be profitable. What would have happened to us if we had said that then? Money grabbers. Yeah. They're just selfish pricks. Yep. And does that does that come from the Glassmans at all? In your perspective, have they ever said you know, you're in this to be a martyr. You shouldn't make money. No, I don't think they have ever. They, their first gym was they, they everybody was a personal trainer. They encourage everybody to make as much money as possible. It was everybody in there. They had members, but you, it was, you had, you had your own coach. Part of your membership, every membership 
went back to the personal trainer that signed you up or that worked with you. Like they wanted everybody to be happy and profitable from day one. And then somewhere in the middle of it, I think that people are like, well, we got to, you know, to be really great people pleasers, we got to give this away. That, that'll never work, ever. Yeah, I don't think any of us even knows where that came from. But um, so let's let's just talk about like what money coming into the gym and into your life uh, has done for you. Like how is life different now? How is the experience for your clients different? How is the experience for your coaches different? That's a huge question. I don't even know if we have enough time to talk about it. I'm, I don't stress anymore. I don't pull my hair out. I'm still probably, well, I guarantee that I'm still the roughest coach in my gym. Um, I still say it how it is. That's just my personality. But before, there was always a hint of anger or a hint of being angry hint of being tired or a hint of being hungry. Um, I'm still tired from time to time. I'm always hungry, but there's not like a level of frustration. There's not a level of frustration for my coaches because they're going to get paid. The paycheck is 100% coming. Right? They don't need to be like, uh, are we going to get paid this week? No, yeah, we for sure are going to get paid. They can do extra certs. I pay for their certifications. They... You know, as far as me and my staff go, we're taken care of. My clients, they still pay a fair rate for our market. And with everybody being happy and not thinking about where your next meal is coming from, you're able to do your job. Just all I want my coaches to do is turn this place into McDonald's for an hour a day. Or if people don't like the word McDonald's because we're all CrossFit paleo people. <laughs> I tell my staff, I'm the oldest one here, so none of them have seen that sitch, sitcom Cheers. But yep. when people walk in, norm. Norm. Yeah. That's how we greet people here. Everybody coming through the door, we're yelling their names, we're high-fiving them. If, they, if I see a client leave and they don't say anything, I run out the door and I'm like, hey, all right, I'll see you later. I'll see you tomorrow. Like Everybody gets a hello and a goodbye. And that's just how it is. And, and it's honest because it's not something. And, and my coaches, that's the kind of people they already are. And they don't, but they don't have to stress anymore about, I wonder if Keith's going to be a dickhead today or if he's mad or I don't know. Like, and, and I was back then when I had nothing to eat. I was grumpy. I didn't know if we were going to be able to keep the lights on. I'm looking at happy people and they're happy to be here working out. And their life is great because I've painted a picture that everything is awesome. But if you looked right behind the little tiny picture, and we didn't have any money. I didn't know where I was going to sleep or eat. I didn't know if I wanted to continue to do it. And part of my head was like, I'm going to go do something else where I can actually make some money. Why would I continue to sleep on the couch? Why would I do this? It was always a 50-50 question, right? I don't think that it was ever possible because every time I was like, fill out an application online or I would start looking at how to sell real estate, I'm like, no, there's, I, don't want, there's, I don't want to do this. There's got to be a different answer. There has to be something else. I see people. I see other gyms. I see other websites. I see everything. Like, is everybody struggling like this? They 
close their office door for an hour just so they can squeeze their forehead in their hand, like, geez, just give me some release. It can't be, right? It, it, that's how I found you. Like, I, I don't know actually exactly how I found you, but when I, I read all that stuff and I started thinking, all right, well, maybe there's a process to make this, this dream that I've had a reality, right? I just dreamed up this weird, chaotic gym that I was just going to start a gym. I was gonna, everybody's going to pay $40. I was going to have 10,000 members. We were going to do privates one-on-one all day long, and I was going to have 50 coaches in here, the best coaches in the whole world, and nobody was going to pay a dollar, and everybody's going to get the best fitness ever, and everybody's going to be able to do what they want. But there's no money involved, ever. And then reality hit, and I'm like, well, something has to change. So I just started putting one foot in front of the other. Start I, I try. I know you might not believe me, but I do try to listen to you. <laughs> it's, it's working, but that was kind of the process of it. So, you know, the, the last question, like, what should a CrossFit coach make? How much should you earn in a year? $100,000 at least. I don't think there's any roof. I don't think there's any roof at all. Millions. Millions. I think that you should make as much as you think you're capable of. And I don't think that there's any reason you shouldn't at all, ever. If you if you think, I want to make this much money, and you're not, then you need to hustle more. You need to figure out how to do it because somebody else is. It's not a thing on Instagram. Like those coaches and those, you know, CrossFit New England and CrossFit Invictus and all those other guys, it's not just, they're not doing anything different. They're not doing the, there's no magic. There's no, they don't have a golden goose. They're just following procedures that actually work, that if you find somebody that knows what they're doing, that have, that have experimented and they're a conglomerate of people and minds together that have done this way before us. They've practiced things, they've done them, they've studied them, they've researched them. So if you're a CrossFit coach, you should make exactly what you... Actually, let me rephrase this. If you're a CrossFit coach, you already are making exactly what you should be making. And if you want it to change, change it. And it's. I know that it's super simple to say, but I just from my own experience, there's a way to get it done. It might not happen tomorrow, and there's going to be struggles, and you're going to fall flat on your face, but... If you fall flat on your face and you quit, you weren't meant to be a CrossFit coach anyway. So just try real estate or something. Do something. But so Keith, you you and I have both been to the bottom. You know, um, do you think it's necessary for people to to get to a point of desperation before they're going to make the changes that are necessary to eventually succeed? I, um, I think that they need to get to a point of their desperation. I think if I look at somebody's life and, and, you know, they're still living in an apartment, they're still driving a car and they still have food, to me, that's not the bottom. But to them, it really might be the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. I can't say that you have to, you have to go hungry, that you have to live in your office or you have to be able to do this or that, or you have to be super poor or you have to be on the complete verge of bankruptcy before you learn 
no, I don't think that you have to do all of that because I think that there's other really successful gyms and there's other really successful coaches that have learned to do it before any of that happens. I think there's an equal amount, if not more, coaches because for some reason most people that give of themselves think that they're the, they should be the lowest person on that totem pole. I don't know why. I have no idea why. So I would say yes and no. I don't think that you have to. I think that a lot of people do, but I don't think that you necessarily have to reach the bottom before you figure everything out. Okay. Well, and I, and I hope other people don't have to do what we did, you know, make the mistakes that we made. But uh, Keith, I know you got to go coach, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your story and being so open with people. Yeah. Where can people reach you if they want to talk more? Um, Keith, CrossFitHappyValley.com. And yeah, that's it. I mean, that's my gym and that's my email address, Keith at CrossFitHappyValley.com. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope people do reach out to you because you got so much more to share, man. We're going to have to do this again, uh, hopefully in person. Uh, thank, yeah, thanks a lot, man. I, you know, I hope uh, this really sinks in with a lot of people. Uh, we'll talk soon.